the times past, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. I'm going to read that again. But call to remembrance, the writer of Hebrews says, the former days in which after you were illuminated or you got revelation, God began to reveal to you the deep truths of the Bible. Began to give you divine revelation concerning divine healing, divine spiritual power, uh, divine prosperity, all those revelations that the Holy Spirit would, would maybe show you and give you. The Bible says after they received those type of revelations, they endured a great fight of afflictions. And that's very common. When you uh, are listening or sitting under or studying revelation concerning the divine victory of the cross and all those things that we have received through Christ Jesus, the devil's going to come around to see if you really believe it. He's going to test you. And... Uh, God's going to allow him to. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So we get revelation, and usually a lot of times what will happen is a test or a trial will follow that. So don't be surprised when you begin to uh, hear from God concerning what I say, I call the deep things of God, if the devil is loosed upon you to try to steal that revelation. Remember, the word comes and then the devil comes. So, I, I, you know, a lot of times when you're, when you're talking to baby Christians, it's important to, to let them know that this is a war and that um, when tests come, that's just what it is. It's a test. You got to look at it from that perspective. You got to remember that it's there to strengthen you from God's perspective and to purify your faith. So don't be surprised if you hear a Holy Ghost message on healing if the devil don't attack your body. That's how it works. I'm just giving you some inside information because a lot of times... We will hear teaching along these lines and we are surprised when that same thing that we've been hearing about, been uh, teaching on, that same thing, the opposite comes toward you.
trying to contradict the word. But don't be fooled. The word is truth. What's coming against you is a fact. But truth outweighs the facts. Amen? We have to always keep that in mind. Um, the way I teach uh, most of the time, God, when he called me to ministry many, many, many years ago, he uh, told me that particularly my ministry, the ministry he's calling to me to was a deliverance ministry. And typically the things that I teach on are on deliverance, on freedom from bondage, freedom from the curse. And I've tried to be faithful to God in, to, in, in teaching that along those lines. I would like to teach on other things a lot of times, but that's mainly the, the course that God leads me on in teaching, uh, almost like a Holy Ghost lawyer, teaching the body of Christ their rights and privileges because they're born again. Uh, so a lot of times when, when uh, I'm teaching along those lines, people will come to me and ask me, well, uh, you know, why is this happening or why is that happening contrary to what you're teaching? And I'll just tell them when the word comes, the enemy comes particularly baby Christians, I like, I like to let them know that these things are happening because you're making spiritual progress. I wish I'd get amen. Yeah. That, that's, why, that's why it's happening, because you're making spiritual progress. So don't be afraid. And don't be uh, intimidated by the things that's coming against you right now. If you're, if you're in a season where it doesn't seem like it's, quote, working, the devil is a liar. It is working. The word is working in you. Um, I think the Apostle Paul is a great example of that. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7, Paul says, And least I should be exalted above the measure, above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, sent to buffet me. Least I should be exalted above measure. So Paul himself experienced pushback and God allowed it and Paul said it was because of the abundance of the revelations that he was receiving he says here in verse 8 for this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me the great apostle Paul said three times I asked God to remove this thing and he says Obviously, God didn't remove it. He had, a, he had a reason. He says, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Now, that's a whole two-hour teaching right there. But what will happen a lot of times is while you're in the fire or while you're in the test or the trial, the Holy Ghost will begin to reveal to you strength that you didn't think you had. The ability to outlast the pressure. You know, Satan, he can bring an attack. But he cannot maintain the pressure of an attack. That's something the child of God has to learn. He can bring an attack, but because he's a spiritual outlaw, he cannot maintain the pressure of an attack. And you need to know that when the testings and the trials come that's going to try to steal that word out of your heart. Because that's the whole reason that he comes, to try to steal that word. But understand that when you're standing on the word, in the pressure cooker, you must maintain your faith. You must maintain the ground that you have gained. All the studying, all of the uh, sermon listening to, all that's fine. But when the testing come, you must have made up your mind that you're not going to back down. Somebody said, well, that's easier said than done. But, But here's the key. Keeping your eyes focused... On the word. It's not easy to do. But when you do that, God promises you that eventually you're going to come out of this thing more stronger than you were before you went into the thing. So Paul says, God said, God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, his strength is made perfect in your weakness, in your dependency upon him. See, when, when, you're, when you're under pressure, when things are not going the way that you think that they should go, this is when we are dependent upon God. And he says, my strength, my strength, his strength is, is perfected in your dependence upon him. Your utter dependence upon the word of God. I mean, if God don't come through, you know you're going under. It's, it's, a, it's a decision that we make when the pressure is on. Am I going to believe this word or am I not going to be, believe this word? About two years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. It was around November, around Thanksgiving. And I got a call from the, the dermatologist that I had seen while I was in Kroger 
preparing for our holiday feast at our facility. I ran to the store to pick up some items. And the doctor called while I was in the store. And said, Mr. Harris, do you have a minute? I said, yes, I do have a minute. He said, well, I called to tell you your biopsy came back and you have cancer. I said, okay. He said, well, we're going to develop a treatment plan for you and uh, have a happy holiday. (laughs) And he hung up. I said, well, okay. So called my wife and uh, I say, well, I just got the results of the biopsy back and uh, they said I have cancer. She said, you lying. <laughs> just like that. You lying. I said, no, nah, I wish I was, but I'm not. I said, uh, here's what we're going to do. Or here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to fear. We're not going to fear. God is the same God that he was yesterday. And uh, she said, well, I'll tell you what. Because she worked at MD Anderson. Have them send the test results of your biopsy to MD Anderson. Because we're going to take over the case over here. She got a little pool in her department. Matter of fact, she works in the very department that uh, specialized in the cancer that they diagnosed me with. So they did. They sent all the uh, test results and all that information over to MD Anderson. And uh, she was able to fast track things, I think, right after the holidays. I got an appointment. Usually you have to wait a long time for an appointment at MD Anderson. Anyway, they took their biopsy and they said, yeah, you got cancer. Um, This is the treatment plan that we're going to go with and um, uh, we think we we can help you, but you're going to have to go through these treatments. I said, well, okay, well, we prayed about it. Me and my wife, we prayed about it. And we did, uh, they set us up about two weeks later for what they call mold surgery. Where they uh, go in and they take the, um, the specimen or the tumor out. There were several tumors. And uh, while you're waiting, because uh, I was wide awake while they were doing all this. So she, the lady took all the tumors out. And uh, doing this type of procedure, what they do is they take the specimens and they test them while you're there, while you're, with the, while you're waiting to see if they got all of it. 
Well, for me and my wife, we sit in the, in the examination room, surgery room, or whatever they call it. We were just talking. I said, I was wide awake. And um, she came back about 45 minutes later with this puzzled look on her face. She said, we, we don't understand. Something is not right here because the tumors that we took out and your biopsy and all that said that you, these things were cancerous. But we can't find any cancer in any of these specimens that we took out. I, I, I can't explain it. Well, me and Cheryl said, well, we, we can. We can explain it. It's Jesus Christ. It's, um, it's God. It's the supernatural healing power of Jesus Christ. So even to this day, uh, well, she wanted to uh, do a study on me or whatever. I said, well, I don't feel like going through all that. But uh, there's nothing to really study. It's that... He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a healer. I said all that to say this. I asked God, why didn't you just supernaturally remove them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just shrink them. And, and, and this is what he told me. And I don't know why I'm telling this tonight. <laughs> this is what he told me. He says, um, I have shielded you from so much, Roy. You haven't had very many tests at all in your life. You stood on the word, and you've gotten healing just like that most of the time. And uh, I need to teach you some compassion for people. I had never had a phone call from the doctor telling me that I had a deadly disease. I had had people come to me and tell me about this is what they got. They got a situation like this. But, and I would pray for people, but I couldn't pray from a perspective of understanding how they felt. Now I can. Now I can. And, 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 and so if God is allowing you to go through something right now, His grace is sufficient because he's allowing you to go through. Because you're, you're, through, through the covenant, we've been redeemed from the curse. But through the covenant, we receive deliverance. But maybe he's allowing you to stay in that situation right now so that you can minister to somebody else later on. Maybe that's why the manifestation haven't happened yet for the thing that you're believing him for. Maybe it's going sideways right now and it's not looking right. Don't despair. Our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. You know, Pastor Angela did a classic series seven-week series on the walls of Jericho coming down. Awesome. That last 
sermon that she did Sunday was so impactful for me. Because it talked about how a lot of times when we're going through things, we, we can get offended. She said, John the Baptist got offended. I had never seen it that way before, but I see it. I saw, I saw her heart. I saw what God was showing her. That a lot of times we go through things, and if we're not careful, we, we, we ask questions. We don't know why it's happening to us, and sometimes we can get offended if we're not careful. Understand that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And no matter what you're experiencing tonight, on the negative side, if it's negative, understand that his grace is sufficient. And he has a way to deliver you. Don't ever forget that he has a way to deliver you. But it's by you remaining steadfast in the word of God. And not allowing any circumstance to talk you out of your deliverance. I don't don't know why I'm talking about this tonight, but somebody maybe needs to hear that the word of God is true. What you're going through right now may be a difficult thing, but the word of God is true. And don't ever be persuaded otherwise. No matter how dark it is, no matter how difficult it may seem. God's got you. Amen? Amen. Well, now I'm going to start our lesson tonight. The reality of eternal life. The reality of eternal life. Father God, pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us Doing this Bible study, you begin to open our spiritual eyes and open our spiritual ears concerning this subject matter, eternal life. Anoint me afresh. Give me a, a word in season tonight for your people. And I'll be sure, we'll be sure to give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we talked about eternal life, and we found out that every born-again believer, once we get born again, eternal life is imparted to us. We become, at that moment, eternal beings. You will always exist. And you will always have and possess the Zoe life of God. That's part of the inheritance. Matter of fact, that's, in my opinion, that's the best part of our inheritance. We'll always be connected to God Almighty through Jesus Christ. And God wants us, not just when we get to heaven to experience this eternal life. He wants us to experience it in knowledge in this earth. 
in these physical bodies, even though they're frail, even though they're temporal, he still wants us to experience his Zoe life here on earth. And uh, one of the ways that eternal life is, is released, because as we, said, we found out last week, eternal life is a force. That's why the enemy fights so hard for, pe- for people not to get born again. Because once they have eternal life imparted to them by God Almighty, he cannot anymore handle them. He cannot anymore dominate them. If he does, it's because of a lack of knowledge and ignorance. That's the only reason that he, that he can dominate and overcome people who have this Zoe life of God. It's because of a lack of understanding of what they have and who they have. Now, because eternal life is a force, it is meant to be released. And Jesus here in St. John chapter 6 talks about the releasing of eternal life or the power of God. He says, it is the spirit that makes alive things that are, we receive from God Almighty from the spirit, from the Holy Ghost. It's the spirit that makes alive. It's the spirit that changes things. It's the spirit that pierces darkness and causes the enemy to go the other way. It's the spirit of the living God, dwelling on the inside of the reborn child of God. It's the spirit that quickened it. The flesh profited enough. That's why he wants, he wants to keep you and I in the natural, the devil. If, 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 if he can keep us in the natural, he'll defeat us every time. But if we can live in the spirit, we'll defeat him every time. It's as simple as that. He says, it's the spirit that makes life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they produce produce Zoe life. We found out last week that Eternal life, this empowerment by God, is enduring, it's continual, it's perpetual, and it's meant to affect the entire universe in a positive way, this life that we have. God has plans for us that our natural minds cannot even comprehend. I mean, if God would begin to try to explain to us the things that we're going to be doing throughout the eons of eternity, it would literally blow our minds. We probably we wouldn't be able to stand it. Because he sees you and he sees me a million years from now, ruling 
and reigning with Christ Jesus. That's how, that's how he views us. He has that perspective because he's eternal. He's already been there where we're going. So this eternal life that we have dwelling on the inside of us is a spiritual force given to us by God. And we found out last week that only God and his children possess it. Think about what I just said. Only the almighty deity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and his children possess eternal life. Angels don't possess it. Only a select group whom God has chosen. So when you get born again, what a privilege, hallelujah. What a blessing to be born into the family of Almighty God and and to be given as a gift, eternal life. It's a gift. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to get it. You just have to believe. Amen? So eternal life is a force meant to be released. We found out last week in Psalms 119, verse 89, God said, forever his word is settled in heaven. It's an eternal word. Every word spoken by God is an eternal word with eternal effectiveness. It's not weak. And God has privileged us You and I, the moment we get born again, he has privileged us with the ability to speak spirit words, eternal words, even in this life. We found out last week that eternal beings, that's who we are, should only speak eternal life-producing words. Does that make sense? If we're eternal beings, we should only be speaking eternal, life-producing words. But it's the most neglected part of our inheritance. It's hard to find a believer who will speak the word only. It's hard to find a believer who you'll find that they only speak what God says. It's hard to find a believer who, when you, when they're pushed, they only respond with, thus saith the Lord. The secret to Jesus' power on earth we found on the Mount of Temptation. When he was tempted, he would always and only respond, It is written. That's good preaching. I don't care what you say. See, because 
That's where the battle is won and lost. What am I going to say when the tempter comes? And he will come. He'll tempt us with sickness. He'll tempt us with sin. He'll tempt us with everything that we can be tempted with. But what is my response to him when he tempts me? Am I going to say, oh, I'm so weak? Am I going to say, well, bad things always happen to me? Or am I going to speak to, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Or am I going to speak the word? Because God is listening. He wants to find out what's on the inside of his child when we're tested. Are we going to use what he has invested in us, which is this eternal Zoe life of God, and be champions in this life? Are we going to use Jesus' example and speak the word, the Zoe word of God, the life-giving, producing word of God, when we're tempted and when our backs are against the wall? Or are we going to say what everybody else is saying? Oh, woe is me. It's important. John chapter 3, let's go there. Eternal life is, 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 is a very, very powerful force. But we have to learn to flow in it. That's our call right now in, in, in this dispensation, to flow in eternal life. Verse 31 of chapter 3. I believe this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. So he's talking about Jesus and he's talking about Jesus' deity and Jesus' divine understanding. But how many of y'all know Jesus was not just man, God, but he was man? So he had to function as a man on the earth. And he functioned 100% of the time the way God wanted him to function. He never... Not one single time got in the flesh. Not one time. All the years that he was on the earth, he always walked according to the Spirit. Because he lived life inside out. Constantly reminded himself, and understood that it's the Father in me that doeth the works. Constantly reminded himself that 
It's the spirit that makes alive. Flesh does not profit anything. This was his lifestyle. Verse 32. And what he had seen and heard, what Jesus had seen and heard, even in heaven, referring back again to his deity before he became a man, that he testifieth, and no man receives his testimony. They couldn't get him. They couldn't understand him. His brothers and sisters, they, they thought he was crazy. They did. They thought he's, he was weird. I don't even know if he's really a part of the family. Because he was, he was different. He lived differently. He spoke differently. Because he understood the power of life. Verse 33. He that had received his testimony, he that had received his testimony, God's testimony, had set his seal that God is true. And this is what I want you to see, verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. That's all he did. Every word that Jesus spoke out of his mouth was Holy Ghost inspired. Every word. He never spoke anything that was contrary to the scripture. Then John says something else. He says, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. <laughs> says, because Jesus was disciplined in his speech and in the words that came out of his mouth, the Father withheld nothing of the Spirit from him. He experienced the Zoe life of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He enjoyed God in the way that God wants a man to enjoy him on the earth. He had this connection with heaven that no other man had ever had. Not that he didn't have challenges. Not that he didn't have things that would come against him in the natural, but they did not move him. He was only moved by the power of of this Zoe life dwelling on the inside of him. He was aware of it. He understood it. And he used it to glorify God Almighty. So Jesus had the Spirit without measure. And everything that was under him had to submit to him because he released life when he spoke. And in this cemetery planet that we live in, and it is a cemetery planet, it's a dead planet when you compare it to heaven. In this planet that he was living on, Everything that needed to be subdued in his life 
was subdued because he knew how to release Zoe's life. The curse cannot stand in the presence of life. Death cannot stand in the presence of life. When life walks in, death goes the other way. We have that potential. He mastered it. We haven't. That's that's the only difference. He mastered this, what I'm talking about tonight. We haven't. It's not that we don't have access to it. We just have not mastered it. We've seen some glimpses of it. We've seen some manifestations of it from time to time. But that does not mean that God does not want us to experience it like Jesus experienced it. Somebody said, well, yeah, that was Jesus. Yeah, that was Jesus. He is and was the Son of God. But guess what? You are a child of God also. And you have access to things that he had access to right now. That's why he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. So that you and I... could experience what he wanted us to experience. He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do, because I'm enthroned at the right hand of God. Representing you there. He is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. His life permeates our being. Permeates our being, but we just don't recognize it. That's the problem. We just don't recognize it. Help me, Holy Ghost. Let's look at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son of on the Son hath everlasting life. He has eternal life. You got it now. The moment you believe, you got it. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So, we have eternal life right now. What we have to do is we have to become more and more and more aware of the significance of that. Let's look at John chapter 1 verse 16. I'm going to believe scripture more than I'm going to believe my flesh. Of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Mind-blowing words. Scripture's telling me, telling you that of his fullness, Jesus' fullness, we've all received. We got it now. How to release it is another matter, but we got it. I got to learn how to release it, though, in order for me to glorify God the way God wants me to glorify him in this life. Like I said last week, in heaven, they have no opposition there. 
They're experiencing eternal life, but they have no opposition. There are no enemies there. That same life that they have there, you have here. The only difference is we got this flesh and this carnal mind hindering us. And of course the devil. But other than that, we have access to the same life that they have there. They just have no opposition. We have opposition. But we are, have been made to overcome the opposition. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith in the word. I'm not saying you won't have trouble. I'm not saying, you again, you won't have opposition. In this life, you will have tribulation, but be of a good cheer. I have overcome the world for you so that you can overcome that, those things, so that you, you can walk in victory. So we have the fullness of God, the Bible says. Not going to get it. We already have it. Oh, God, give me more power. No, 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 no. I got to learn to understand and acknowledge and comprehend what I've already got. It's not going to give me any more. I got everything that I'll ever need right now. But I got to learn to release it by faith. I'm going to skip over some things to get to Psalms chapter 8 because I'm running out of time. Psalms chapter 8. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day to the Lord. Creation and God created man was just like six days ago to him. When he created Adam and Eve, in his mind it was a thousand years ago to us, but in his mind it was like five, six days ago. God creates time, then he steps out of time, outside of time. What an awesome God. So, so, Adam and Eve and the dominion that they walked in in the garden is still fresh in the mind of God. I mean, that's fresh, it's fresh to him. To us, that sounds, the things that we hear about, it sounds kind of unbelievable. But in the mind of God, that was my perfect will for man. So, verse 4 of Psalms 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? That's the question he's asking God. He says, what is man? Why are you always thinking about us? And the son of man that thou visited him. David got revelation. (laughs) 
Jesus hadn't even showed up yet, but David understood that the Son of, the Son of God was coming. For thou, God has made him a little lower than the angels. Now I heard somewhere where that was a misprint. When you really look, search that, that word angels out in that particular verse, it's translated Elohim. Which means God. Have you ever heard that before? So what the psalmist is saying and what the translators were too scared to write is that God created man a little lower than himself. That's how God views us. A little lower, a little lower than him. Like I said last week, we will never be deity. There's only one deity. That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I remember I was preaching this in Calvert one Sunday. And it was this lady. She, she, she it was her first time being at the church. And man, she was so fired up. Uh, when, when she got there, she said, oh, I'm so glad we got a Holy Ghost-filled church here in Calvert. I said, man, we're so glad to have you because we ain't got that many members. <laughs> so, so she was like, oh, I can't wait to hear your sermon. And so I began, to, <laughs> I began to preach along these lines, talking about how we are created a little lower than God. Her eyes got this big. And she walked out. <laughs> Could have never seen that lady again. Because, I don't know, it's something about revelation like this that causes people to not understand the love of God. They don't understand the love of God. They don't understand that God wants his children to live these kind of lives. That God actually has crowned man with honor and glory. And God did it. Nobody had to talk him in. This is God's plan. This, this is his idea. Everything I'm preaching, this is his idea. But for whatever reason, the religious spirits, they get nervous when you start preaching like this. Because they're trying to keep, keep us away and deny us our inheritance. That's what they're doing. But thou hast made him a little lower than Elohim and crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him man to have dominion over the works of your hands and has put what? All things under his feet. Hallelujah. So it's quite naturally then, it's not a, it's not a leap of faith to understand that God would give us eternal life. 
if he would, if he would position us this way to live under him in such close relationship, it should not shock us that he would give us this type of power, this type of life, this type of dominion authority in this world and in the worlds to come. This is always his plan. So, eternal life repositions us or positions us now to experience the same life that God intended for Adam and Eve to live, but in a more amplified way because they didn't have eternal life. No, they didn't. They did not have eternal life. They were innocent and sinless beings, but they did not have what you and I have, which is a guarantee of a relationship with God throughout the eons of eternity. Never be broken. He'll never reject you. I won't preach it again. He'll never reject you because he is invested in you, the eternal life of God himself. He'd deny himself if he did that. I'm going to close right there. I'm going to close right there. Because here's here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to begin to ponder these things. He wants us to to begin in our prayer closets to begin to ask him, Lord, is this really true? Are these things really for me in my generation? Can I have that type of relationship with you here on earth just like I was in heaven? Is it just the, the flesh that's hindering me, my, my carnal mind that's hindering, hindering me? Is that man preaching the truth or is he preaching a lie? Reveal it to me, Lord. And when you do that, he's going to reveal it to you. He's going to start showing you more readily who you are in Christ. And that you already have the powers of the worlds to come dwelling on the inside of you right now. Stand to your feet. Lord, we just want to praise you. The gospel is the good news. Somebody said it was almost too good to be true. (laughs) But it is true. Everything that Jesus has done, Father, for us is by grace and mercy. And tonight we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just continue to remind us of the beauty of the Lord and the victory of his cross and the suffering Savior whose blood was shed for us on Calvary that has given to us this eternal life. Glorify yourself as you do so, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.